me hello to me can you hear yourself i can <laughs> this is like yeah. that uh the string with the soup can on it right well so, i'm i'm wearing the headphones and mm-hmm. you're not that's fine though uh-huh but i sound all right <laughs> do i and you want to make sure that i'm not screaming into the mic you're yeah. like i'll control stout by just putting him it's the same as like uh stand-up comedy except that we have no audience which is kind of like doing stand-up in at los angeles oh i thought you were saying it's the same like if i could see myself on stage maybe i'd make some adjustments yeah. <laughs> some self-reflection <laughs> Well, uh, first of all, uh, thanks uh, for uh, inviting me in your home. You're one of few people who've taken that risk. I mean, I, I had some uh, some reservations in my mind that I had to get over, but I was like, oh, it'll yeah. be fine. No, Jason, we'll be fine. I've, I've got a, a number in case of emergency to call his family. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am here with Ryan Stout. Hooray. Yes. And uh, we, we, how, we met in uh south africa yeah johannesburg what what an odd place to make a a connection in in stand-up comedy it's one of my favorites actually because i went to that festival and um i really didn't i didn't know you Uh um eliza schlesinger and i had never really hung out Uh um we ended up at dinner after the first show and i'm sitting next to bobby lee who i've never spoken with in my life and i thought he was just a maniac that ran around on stage and And you you know we're (laughs) no i mean we fell into like kind of a deep conversation pretty quickly and i was like oh bobby's like a deep feeling yes <laughs> intellectual type person how interesting it was neutral ground yeah as performers it was so detached from anything that we'd have it's not like somebody we've been going there regularly with the exception of me i've been there um maybe six times leading up to that <laughs> uh-huh. so i was familiar with yeah. it but i've never worked with very many american acts ever at that point you know mm-hmm. uh most of this stuff was in europe and in canada mm-hmm. and i hadn't uh knew anything about anybody so it was interesting but we had a great time it was well really cool. i mean and the, those audiences are so stupid they um <laughs> well because it was a new comedy scene at the time so the audience hadn't been jaded by anything yet they were just eating everything up oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's i think the environment to be around comedians who you wouldn't normally connect with is different when everyone's killing Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah, when, yeah. when somebody's angry. struggling, you're kind of like, I don't think he's that funny either. Yeah. Like the, there, the crowd's kind of right. It was just uh, like a perfect storm. Yeah. You got a great venue. You're staying in a nice hotel, you know, all that stuff. And it, it just, if you're being an asshole, you're just an asshole. There's <laughs> right. no way around it. How can you have a, a bad time in paradise doing yeah. what you love? So. But that, uh, have you been back uh, since? No, I mean, I think somebody else took over the bookings and then uh, all of a sudden the uh, the money is like 25% of what it was. And uh, I've been screwed on that deal so yeah. many times. Well, when I met you, you were like, yeah, uh, I agreed to do this, but I did it under the guise that they would pay me this time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I had to, on two different occasions. I uh, It took me three to almost six months of steady, really like three or four phone calls a week for months mm-hmm. to get my uh, my money. So I made it clear that I wouldn't go on stage until I was handed a uh, cash. But yeah. And uh, which kind of fucked me too because then when I did the exchange with the RAND back to the Canadian dollar, it, it was fucking, it was like a bag of oranges by the end of it. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a really... Um, pain in the ass. Yeah, I showed up in comics who had done it before. They were like, did you get paid in advance? I was like, yeah, yeah. they just uh, they sent over a check, so I already got paid in full. And they went, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is my first time. I just assume that it's, things are fine. It's such a shitty thing in a perfect storm, you know, with the... the uh, it was great. How many... Because you stayed a little longer. I think I was only there for two weeks. I was only there for the one week because somebody dropped out. And uh, I was like a last-minute fill-in. Oh, and okay. so I flew all the way to South Africa for six shows <sighs> and then flew back. That's fucked. Yeah, it's something like... Uh, trips like that, when you're on a plane for any more than 12 hours, mm-hmm. I want to be there for at least two to three weeks, minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Especially if it's a tropical paradise. 
But we went to, uh, what was it, the Nelson Mandela? No, our apartheid museum. We went to the apartheid museum, and then you and I stood outside the Nelson Mandela house while everybody else went in, because you and I were like, come on, it's just his house. Yeah, what yeah, are you yeah. gonna What are you going to figure out in there? That's his favorite rocking chair? Yeah. You know, somebody knocked on the floorboards. Oh, it's Hitler. Yeah. He's in a, you know, Nothing, nothing's in there for us. No. So we hung out outside and watched uh, young children scam people for money. Yeah, it was fucked up. It was <laughs> fucked up. But the the uh, the museum, the apartheid museum, that was pretty humbling. Especially it was. Especially when, when the entrance is black on one side and white on the other side. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting. Like when people buy their ticket, you randomly get assigned white or colored. Yeah. And um, I always tell people that I got the I got white. So I went in and there was a buffet and, uh, you know, <laughs> they had foot carpet. rub and, yeah. uh, you know, I thought it was nice. I got, the, I got a black one and uh, they just whipped me and took my land away from uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had a whole different experience. <laughs> just got to pull the right ticket, I guess, right? <laughs> um, what else happened when we were there? I'm trying to have a little flashback here as far as what we Well, that did. last night, you and I went to a strip club. And uh, we hopped in the car with some stranger who was like, yeah, I'm going to take care of you guys. I work at the club. Do you remember that? And no. like, we're taking off to the club and he immediately gets pulled over at like a, a checkpoint stop. Did we? Was I fucked up before we went for the, to the strip club? I think, I think you were a little fucked up and I think you had drugs on you. Okay. <laughs> All right. In South Africa. Yeah, not a lot of foresight there. Like a good shot through the window by a pedestrian. We, or- we didn't get, you know, 500 yards from the hotel we were staying at and we had been pulled over and the police are going to search our car. And I don't know who this guy driver was, but he just said something to the cops. I think he might have paid him and then we were on our way. I think that's what might have been the case. Yeah. But did we did we make it to the strip club? We made it to the strip club. We um I don't remember any of this shit. I remember something us going somewhere but uh what strip club? What was the name of it? Oh, Christ. I In Johannesburg. I don't know. I just remember that uh the guy we were with was taking care of us completely. So um we was got it a friend there. Of mine or a promoter? Yeah, I mean, probably about a little cuz again I I I meet up with some shady people mm-hmm. and I keep in contact with them. Yeah. But um, and then they take us to strange places, and uh, but it's always fine. There might be a road check or two. Yeah, some bullets. Well, they fed us. They brought out all this food at the strip club. What? And then they cleared the table, and then there was a girl dancing on our table, and then they uh, fed us. Uh, yeah. And then they brought out the whores. Yeah. Um, and like this is Game of Thrones. These these <laughs> these lap dances were. Uh, were intense in that, you know, she's on the table, but, you know, she's doing the thing where she puts her heels over your shoulders and then just grinds her pussy in your face. Yeah. Um, you get it, a big pile of Parmesan cheese in your lap <laughs> yeah, by the end of it. You're still wiping the corners of your mouth because you're like, <laughs> I just had chicken. Um, yeah. And I'm in Africa and some girl's grinding her hole against me. I'm going to pick up a parting gift before I leave here. So I do remember at one point you pulled a, uh, a powdery substance, we'll say, out of your pocket. Okay. And um, you started to put some on the table and the guy we were with tapped your arm and went, you can't, you can't, not here. You can't, you do, can't do that here. Blow on a table in a, in a public setting? <laughs> And yeah. then you went, Stout, I'm buying you a lap dance. And then you sent me to the back room with this girl. <laughs> You're like, it's already paid for. Just go. So I get mm. back there. and I remember that. And then uh, I, I was in there for like uh, 10 minutes. And uh, she's given the lap dance. And then all the lights go out. Like, I think, oh, this is the part where I get, <laughs> I get jacked Oh, completely. Rouster. <laughs> He's going to have me beheaded by a prostitute. <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, uh. What, what's happening? And she said something like, oh, that happens all the time. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the lights came back on and she said, yeah, we're all done. And then I tipped her and then I kind of scurried back out to the table. Like, did the lights go out out yeah, here? Yeah. And you guys were like, yeah, it was weird. But they came back. Yeah, it's... Uh, but it's, I was like, I was in a small room where the lights went out. A lot of room for error. Yeah. It's... Uh, I, I do want to go back. I want to do Australia and New Zealand. That's two places I've had on a list. Oh, you haven't done either? No. I did uh, the comedy store in Sydney for two weeks. Oh, great. How was uh, it? A couple years ago. Actually, it was the same year. I, w- I went to Johannesburg, flew back, and then like a month later flew to Sydney, which, you know, if anybody knows geography, that's a shorter <laughs> plane ride from South Africa to Sydney. Yeah. But uh, 
Um, it was a great time. What I love is uh, showing up in different parts of the world and the way they just kind of format the show is different. Yes. You know, in the UK, you have intermissions. Yeah, there's breaks so people can... But the cool part about that, too, is you don't got waitresses. Oh, and I just remember, I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought it up. You don't have uh, waitresses go fumbling around with change in front of the stage while you're trying to maintain attention with an audience. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just a, it's like having a canary fly fly around the room when you're trying to get a focus from an I audience. Was, I was at a club recently, and you know it's a major chain in America, but for whatever reason, this one franchise, like they screw up check drops so bad. And maybe they're great at it, maybe they're awful at it, but uh, you know, certain clubs try to time it out so a third of the room gets their check, and then maybe another third, yeah, and then the and final third, so that you still have two thirds of the audience paying attention. This place managed to just drop every check at once, and it was like everybody's head just went down for about three, four minutes. And then you spend the, the whole 90 minutes of the performance, people were, or let's say, uh, 80 minutes of the performance, and then the last 10 minutes is just such a disrespect to the whole show. Right. It's just like, you know what? That's great, you and your little arty shit. Uh, but we got some bills to pay here. But you, could you just stand up there so we know that we yeah. still own you? Listen, we're not really paying attention. If you could just do some puns, some some children's humor, mm. just something easy for us to digest while yeah. we do math. Oh, it's so uh, and then, and somebody, then once we're back, and you then, work on our schedule and then go back to your show. And no matter how uh, diplomatic the the staff is, it's like, oh, here's your pill. John, what did you get? You know, what did you, what? How did, many beers yeah. did you drink? Did I you didn't have get three nachos, nachos? Oh, it, it, it turns into a mess. But it, I, I tried to do that with some shows uh, that I'd produced in, in Canada, some stand-up events and stuff. I go, you know, we're going to do a break in the middle. Mm -hmm. Well, did a break. Three-quarters of the audience went home. They, just, they, they, they don't understand a break. They couldn't understand. I, they were like, the show's over. And I tell them, I go, we're going to take a 15-minute break so you guys can go up and get some more booze, and, uh, and then we'll move forward with the show. Well, they just go, well, I don't know if I want to sit down again. <laughs> you know, I got my beer. It's finished. Oh, Hummingbird just went by. Um... Yeah, I loved that in, in Scotland, especially. Um, the Stand. The Stand, Fantastic. because they would do their first break, because they would do two breaks. Their mm -hmm. first break, people would go to the bar and check their phone and take a piss. And then second break, anybody who was problematic, they came over and told them, like, listen, um, you're, you're a little too intoxicated, so we can't serve you anymore. And those people go, well, if you're not going to serve us, we're going to leave. And they go, well, that's your, that's your choice. Yeah. And then they willingly, all the problem people, get up and willingly walk out the door. And then the headliner takes the stage. And everybody who's there is still focused and uh, willing to enjoy the show. And there's no heckling. Nobody's looking at their phone because they've done that no. twice already. They're legitimately invested in their good time. Yeah. They're 110% committed to the performance. Yeah. Uh, militantly, like where if somebody's being disruptive in, in, in within earshot, someone's like, hey, you know, me and my wife, this is all we got going on this week. So shut the fuck up, because uh, we we uh, we've got a lot. To this is the only time we can yeah. afford a babysitter. Yeah, we I'm, we can't do any other night. We're, we're broke and we're we we've got a beer in our hand that we can't really even afford. But this is our escapism from our, our Scottish hell. Yeah, you know. I love it there. The this, and I find that the more um, depressing and grim. I think actually Stanhope had brought that to attention. Where the more apocalyptic the the environment is, and more struggle that people have on a daily basis, the more appreciative they are of stand up. And that's why California, sunny and hot every day. Yeah, no one gives a fuck. You go out to Orange County. Those people, they <laughs> they feel very entitled. Yeah. that you're supposed to give them what they want. They didn't come to your show. You came to them. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. My name's on the building. God damn yeah. it. It says my name. You bought a ticket with my name on it. Yeah. And they kind of, as you walk on the stage, they kind of roll your eyes like, oh, what's he going to try and do? Yeah. Every time I've been in Irvine, um, somebody has heckled at some point during the show, apropos of nothing. It's Irvine. Yeah. Like, like yeah, it's th a disability. Th thank you, ma'am. That's nice. And what they don't realize is, I don't. That's the place I've gotten it the most. But I get that everywhere. I'll be in this. This one woman a few weeks ago was like, "It's Minneapolis." I was like, "Yeah, ma'am. I've. I know where I am. I've performed here before. I bought the plane ticket here. What does that mean, though? 
what are you telling me when you announce the location? And she says, well, I'm from New York. And I was like, well, you see all these nice Minneapolis people not yelling at the stage? Ugh. I kind of like them for that. That's why I came here. Is it dead? Is it dying? But people will be like, it's Baltimore. And I'm on stage. I don't even know what you're communicating to me. It's, there's no foresight. There's yeah. no, there's nothing. There's no end game. It's like, I'm jealous of your attention. <laughs> Those are just idiots. I had somebody yell out. Uh, um, they said we're not allowed to yell out. Perfect. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what did you take from that? <laughs> what, what, what's been your uh, worst experiences with uh, audiences? They're, like we all have them and there's a, more than a, a dozen. But uh, one where you were just like, where no matter what you did as far as damage control, it still ended up in the shitter. I think um, I, I'm always interested in the idea that uh, attention spans are getting shorter yeah. because of the internet and everything else. But uh, talking about the length of the show and no breaks, a lot of times I feel like if the MC does really well and then the middle act does really well, well, these people just had 45 minutes They've of had comedy. Fill. You know, an episode of hour-long television is 44 minutes of entertainment with breaks. So they just had more than that. And now they're like, oh, we're good. And then it's like, are you ready for the main event? And they're like, no. No, yeah. we're, we're already set. Unless we already had famous. our comedy thing. That's why the, <laughs> the clubs build a lot of their shows around celebrity. Yeah. Not necessarily quality. It's all excitement. So even the time they see two great comedians and then the headliner comes on. So they've, they've already got an investment in it because they want to see somebody famous or somebody yeah. they've seen on television. But it could be a week. A guy who moonlights is a stand-up comedian, but he's got a hit sitcom, mm -hmm. and then comes into that, and it, it just yeah, it's anticlimactic. It's it's a level of expectation that I would like from the crowd that mm. they're not giving. Um, one of my favorite jokes when I was a kid was, um, and of course I didn't write this. It was just I heard it as a kid, and I was like, uh -huh. oh, that's. I love that, but you know that extra little skin on your elbow when you straighten your arm, uh -huh. and you just kind of roll it between your forefinger and your thumb, that extra skin? Okay. And I ask people to do that, or you would do that as a kid, and then you go, that's what my nutsack feels like. <laughs> but it's only funny if they do it. It's only funny if you say, hey, feel that skin on your elbow, and mm. then they play along. If they sit there with their arms folded staring at you while you talk, it's like, well, now it's not fun anymore because you're not engaging. Yeah. I'm actually asking you to laugh and clap and think, and you don't want to because you're busy eating chicken wings. You need to... This is this is a two-person thing. Yeah. They, they, they're... It's really weird that they think that by engaging them or trying to bring them together as a collective that you're uh, threatening... I think they're just weak individuals, people, personalities. Right. And then you get the lady, this is so-and-so. You know, it's just they can't... They, they're social retards. Right. And they probably have that all through most of their life, I, I would assume. Well, starting where I started in San Francisco, I always felt like there was a, a vibe in the room sometimes that the individual tables were saying like, well, I'm here with my friends and I know what we think about comedy. It's tribal. But we're not going to be part of this larger group. And it's like, well, I'm not going to play to 40 individual tables. I want to play to, you know, 120 people. Yeah. But the person who's taken that stand is in like, I'm with this group. They don't share the same per the disposition as the person who's decided to be the, uh, the, the, um, the, the spokesperson for the group. Yeah. It's like, oh, John's at our table again. And yeah. Now we got to deal with him. Yeah, blah, 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 me and my friends. Now, if we had to measure you, had to screen all these people at your table, they go, I don't even like the guy. He's a friend of my fucking <laughs> sister's-in-law, and he always pulls his fucking shit. I thought you were great. I'm sorry my asshole by association fucking friend mm -hmm. ruined the show. It's it's just a, it's such a... Uh, well, yeah. that's the f weird thing, too. Some people have it in their mind that when they go to the comedy show, it is an opportunity for them to be funny. Sure. They're like, it's a comedy club. It's a club, yeah. so we're all funny, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's... It's uh, it, it is just because you go to a nightclub doesn't mean you're the best dancer. Mm -hmm. People are allowed to dance, sure, but yeah. um, I was doing a show and I did something about it was a bit you've seen me do about the International Special Olympics. I've never seen you perform before, <laughs> <laughs> but you do comedy. We did those six shows in Johannesburg, but you were busy backstage. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, sorry, go on. I've you're seen. a comedian. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were a visual artist. I was smoozing you to do my my taxes. 
<laughs> we got this nice table here. Let's break up the numbers. Um, I was doing this uh, bit about the International Special Olympics, and the guise of the bit is basically we need to support the International Special Olympics, you know, show some, some, uh, some pride for our countries and support these goofy athletes because when they drag their gorilla knuckles across that finish line, and it, it turns into this thing where my argument of this positive argument has all this negative language. Yes. And there's a collision. Yeah. You know, there's an incongruity there where it's like people don't know quite what to think. Like, oh, he's saying good things, but meanwhile, the, language the is- forest from the trees is not quite clear and that in in some cases is all somebody idiot in the audience needs they hear a word even if you said you know uh retarded doctors yeah they would go retarded really you're gonna use that kind of language yeah yeah that's not nice they're people just like us so anyway i'm doing this bit and people are loving it but then this one dude i mean he's kind of been chatty all night you could tell he's drunk but he's probably about six five three hundred pounds just white dude who Big farm boy. I mean, yeah, looks like he's got you know just meat for hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, he um, he just stands up and he goes, "That's not funny. I'm retarded." And then he like stomps out of the building. But he thinks, come back, Mongo. I was kidding. He thinks he's being funny. Meanwhile, the rest of the audience is like, "Oh, that guy really had his feelings hurt." Oh, so now the vibe of the room has like completely changed and he's not even there anymore for me to talk to him. No. Meanwhile, he's trying to get back into the club and the bouncers are like, no, you can't go back in. You just took a big shit on the floor yeah. at a family dinner. And he's like, come on, it was funny. It was a joke. I was just joking. He was joking about the Special Olympics, so I made a joke. And they're like, what are you talking about? Nobody's, nobody's paying you to do jokes. Yeah. And so then the rest of the show... For the rather like 15 minutes I was on the stage is just a lot of people genuinely sitting there like going, oh, the comedian did that really offensive thing. That's all they're holding in their head, and, no matter what you're saying. To and them. they leave not knowing the conversation this dude had with the bouncer. And now these days people go home and write it on their blog. Oh, Ryan Stout offended a mentally handicapped person. Yeah, I was there. I saw it happen. Yeah. And then somebody else jumps onto that going, these comedians, they need to know better. And it's like, you don't even know the story. Yeah, and what do you think about all that? Where people think they've they've have taken license into making you know these YouTube comments and these blogs and things. It's kind of t- tainted and really fucked with this this whole politically correctness. That's it's disemboweling uh, the whole stand up. Yeah, with this this people that have taken this moral high ground and completely out of context, mm-hmm. and then the news sees it and doesn't look at their, doesn't do any research, and then builds a sensational story all around it, you know? Well, the news, there's so many news outlets that they just need to fill yeah, time news, with something. that's a pretty loose now, thing, news. No, well, I mean, no, it's... Public it's, information. It truly is a, a, a real thing, though, because you'll watch CNN, and they're like, comedian says awful thing and goes on tirade, and you're like, wait a second, this isn't a story. There's no evidence to support this story. No. You know, one girl went home and wrote on her blog an event, word for word, somehow, that she only experienced once. Somehow she can repeat the comedian's joke word for word that she heard one time while her adrenaline's going and she's in a yeah. fight. No, no, she's, she's reporting what she remembers, which is different. You must get... Because you, you're, you're pretty... Uh, very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, blue... Comedian? I would argue definitely uh, contextually. Um, I'd, I'd much rather perform to an audience who's like, we're yeah. here to see something dirty you, than an audience who's like, we're here to see yeah. something clean. You, you're, you're, you're a nightclub performer. Right. A, in a bar full of adults. Yeah. Talking about adult subject matter. Yeah. Um, and uh, But you're also, uh, you know, you, you dress nice and you clean cut mm-hmm. does that does you find that that gives you a lot of license for people to kind of come approach you to give them their, their two cents about what you're doing and what you said and this is because uh you cover a lot of uh, taboo subject matter and, sure uh, very cleverly yeah and um some people can be put off by that by your uh how clever it is right and even the language they, they, that that struggle between morality and and the lack that people are laughing their fucking asses off yeah well, there, there are a few points during my set where I will actually like explain the joke to them to kind of subvert yeah, I saw what, that what you're factory. talking about. Like, I, would, I had this bit off my album that... Uh, um, you want to plug your album? Uh, when did it it's come called out? Touche. It was released like three years ago. Okay. 
so you can get um, the torn off a of pirate yeah thing. you can watch it at some place for free i'm yeah. sure but i i really need the money everybody um uh but there was this bit on there about uh fitness motivated rape and okay. it was uh it like had a running a, class it was well yeah a lot of like uh, if sex is great exercise then rape obviously you know, you have to find a target. You got to chase them down. Blah blah blah. You know, that's going to get the cardio. It's a craft. You're working the buys, the tries, the pecs, the quads. But I try to include as much language as possible that involved exercise. Like that. That was a craft choice. And then I was very specific to make the bit non-gender specific. Like yeah. I made those choices very specifically. Yeah. So that the bit would be about making fun of the fad diet that are out there yes and just because a diet works doesn't mean it's good mm -hmm. well i do the bit and some people are laughing some people are upset and then i will explain to the crowd that was a bit about dieting and i will tell them why and the people that liked it will laugh and other people will sit there and go okay maybe i shouldn't have been so upset but some people will get even more upset <laughs> and add alcohol to somebody that's already got a weak sure. disposition in general but once once Talk. I do that a few times with a few different bits, like that wasn't a bit about the N word. That was a bit about phonics. Yeah, you know, um, it makes people very wary about approaching me after the show because they're like, yeah. maybe the bit wasn't about what I thought it was about, which is what I really want out of every audience member. Always, I want them to treat comedy the way they treat poetry. Mm -hmm. Everybody treats poetry with this grand idea that well, well, maybe I didn't understand it, but but clearly the poet knows what he's doing. That's a good analogy. In the poetry and in, in comedy it's all subjective art you right know, and uh, it's all a matter of perspective and and well i mean people don't go to the museum and and claim that some sort of piece should be taken down i don't like this piece of art because it's about rape yeah You're like well yeah but we've got it in the museum because um it's, it's brilliant it's a perfect composition the materials used uh you know the uh, the brush strokes the style of the painting there's all sorts of craft elements in the painting it, that make it great now you don't understand the craft elements you just understand the subject matter yeah and um, that's not enough for you to make your argument so I'm always arguing that oh no you don't like that topic but you don't know anything about the joke yes yes it's so fucked I, it's people getting stupid it seems like it's, it's progressives if we have with this information age that people are only taking they're not looking the uh, the the subject matter in its entirety yeah they're just they're uh, hooking onto something and then making that their protest. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all these, these, ugh, anyway. Well, I, I I do get emails via the internet from people complaints. who... Well, complaints, but interestingly enough... That's awesome. Either, I, I, I wish. Either from, um, you know, 14-year-old girls who, uh, you know, saw me on Comedy Central sure. and they, they're going to prove their adulthood by telling me that I'm not funny and that what I said <laughs> was mean. Or, um, strangely enough, I've gotten a fair amount of complaints from college professors who are like well i teach you know asian american studies at ucla and i saw this thing that you did about a chinese fire drill and you know that's derogatory and i wrote well um uh first of all that wasn't a real news story that was a joke and they're like yeah but the the, the phrase chinese fire drill is derogatory and i'm like yeah and i didn't use that phrase i implied that phrase in a fictional context yeah you filled in the blank with your own ignorance and and they're like um i said so what is the problem now you you didn't like the joke initially because uh, i was making fun of some terrible event in china mm -hmm. and now you don't like the joke because it involves a derogatory phrase but i didn't use the phrase so now what's the new complaint yeah i said why now? why are you looking for reasons to tear the joke down rather than reasons why it's funny yeah and then you just respond with I guess it bothers you that I've made my dream come to light. Yeah. And you're a fucking professor. What do you think about all the people laughing at the joke? What do you think of them? I asked this one guy, I said, um, if there's a comedian and he does a joke, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. What happens when somebody writes that comedian an email and goes, really, cannibalism? That's what you're going to joke about? You think that's okay in our, our society? And uh, I said, what do we tell that guy? And he went, well, you know, that's not a fair comparison. Like, you were you were making fun of this terrible thing, and that's just, like, implied cannibalism. I'm like, no, no, no. That's actually what's happening in that joke. So what do we tell that guy? What do we say? 
and he was like, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I just think what you're talking about is mean. I'm like, okay. Well, prove your right. point. Yeah. Because it's not, it's, you, do you, do people just email you directly through your website? Because I'm in awe of what you've just explained because I've, I've had one direct message uh-huh. in uh, 18 plus years of doing wow. stand up. Wow. One, uh, oh, and then uh, I think my first year of stand up, I got a, um, I uh, actually used it in my press kit, uh, a letter from a religious group oh, explaining to me that I was a uh, part of the problem of the of the oh, planet. W- which problem? Yeah, w- which, exactly. Which problem uh, exactly? Uh, oh, man. I still have it. I think it's on my website. Anyway. I find it amazing. Like, I will get on stage and joke about, you know, third world kids and, you know, people, burn victims and whatever else. And there will be audience of people laughing and loving it. I was doing a show. It was... I think in Sacramento, multiracial crowd. And then I got to this thing about uh, Jesus being aborted. And this, uh, every single black person in the crowd just folded their arms. Ah! Right. Oh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'll, I'll laugh hysterically at the Special Olympics. I will laugh at third world kids. But once you bring Jesus in, we're and not. And hypocrites. When was the last time you were at fucking church? You know what I mean? They're, like, they take, they take, the audience will take this moral high ground yeah. when they're hypocrites. Well, what was funny in that show, it just happened to be all the black people who just bailed on me. But I was in someplace else and I heard this like cowboy dude just look at his wife and go, grab your coat. We're leaving. Yeah. And I was like, this was years ago. I wasn't. Oh, even you're gonna the, get into heaven now. I wasn't even the headliner. I was like, you're gonna leave before the headliner. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna be doing something different. You you might enjoy it. No, we're leaving now. Okay. It's a cut the cord. Let's get out. But then they think, and then they'll make like broad attention to them leaving. Yeah. Like, you probably should come with us. We're doing the right thing. And if you stay here and listen to this, then you're a bad person. You yeah. Know, they kind of send that vibe out. I I set up the show immediately. So they're too afraid to even take a piss. <laughs> they are, are crippled with fear. Yeah. And I've had people go, oh, that was awesome. But I had, I've been having, I wanted to take a piss for the last half hour, and I couldn't because I knew you tear a strip off me. And they were right <laughs> to say that. I, uh-huh. I want to make it in a, uh, I want them to be imprisoned. There's a domination <laughs> aspect. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much me against them. Well, I think that's both of our leadership styles. Mm. Is like, we're in charge now. You sit down and fucking pay attention. Yeah. Keep your hands in yeah. and your mouth shut, and we can have a great time here. You can all go have showers afterwards and pretend you're clean and all that stuff. Yeah. Now a word from our sponsors. I am Mr. Flintstone. Greetings, Rocky, my boy. Pack of Winston's, please. Ah, oh, you like them Winston cigarettes, huh, Mr. Flintstone? Mm, but, of course, they really got something. <laughs> you bet your life. <laughs> Folks who really enjoy smoking know it's what's up front that counts. And that's where Winston steps out ahead of the crowd with their exclusive filter blend. Choice golden tobaccos, specially selected and specially processed for filter smoke. Hold it, hold yeah, what you mean? What are you pitching Winston's at me for? You know I never smoke nothing else. Just practicing, Mr. Flintstone. Everybody knows that Winston tastes good, like a <coughs> cigarette should. Yeah. See you soon, Rocky. Visit JasonRouse.com. But um, but you did you started in San Francisco, which is a pretty pretty liberal place. Yeah, it it forced me to develop a style of comedy that you know I've been talking about, where I'm doing this terrible thing about the N word, but the backdoor meaning is that's about phonics, or uh-huh. this terrible thing about rape, but the backdoor meaning is that was a joke about dieting, and you can't argue otherwise, um, because I needed that as a defense mechanism from all of the overt liberals who wanted to find the victim in the joke identify with the victim and make that their argument and when they would i would smile at them and go yeah no that's correct and that's why i had this other element in there and then they go oh well yeah i guess but you know if people don't pick up on that then they're going to be offended i'm like well i can't control what they do and don't pick up on dummies yeah that's not that's not my thing you want me to stoop it up Do, do i have to do my entire act with a PowerPoint presentation and puppets. Yeah. Is now, because like, 
I get like I've been to San Francisco uh, once, and uh, but I started my career in uh, in Vancouver, right? And I, I was s- going to bring up Vancouver because I feel like they're very aligned. Yeah, but in the, but uh, almost in um, Vancouver can be overly uh, sensitive. Oh they're, yeah, they're um, like got their protest signs and a marker ready. <laughs> going, what's he going to say? Uh-huh. Like there was an incident. Did you hear about that comedian Ooh, Guy Earl with the lesbians? Yeah. Now I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard there was some sort of limited amount of a physical. Rea- he smashed some glasses or something. I don't know, but he got he had to pay a fine. Um, yeah, and he he took it to the you know Canadian Supreme Court, and he was like, "Look, you can't you can't find me for hurting her feelings. I was just talking." How did it make it that far? You know how how what the fuck? I don't know how she was able to prove that. Um, Cunts. That he was responsible for her subsequent, you know, nightmares and anxiety and Pff, all these person. other things. But somehow his words on stage, and apparently, and I don't know exactly what happened, but apparently a lot of this escalated into the parking lot with people yelling at each other. Well, people are allowed to yell at each yeah. other in a parking lot. That's that's sticks and stones. That's not against the law. Um, and because he was being quote unquote paid by the venue because they were giving him free drinks, the venue had to pay a fine. No. Yeah. So now no. you've you've brought it to the business where they're like, Well, we don't want to have a comedy show if people get into a disagreement over funny and all of a sudden somebody has to pay fines. But apparently, um, from my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, at his trial the comedian was like, no, I don't have to testify about what I said and didn't say. I should be allowed to say whatever I want under the guise that I'm on stage saying into a microphone with the intent of making people laugh. It's like burning down an ice cream truck because you're lactose. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we all like ice cream and there's a whole bunch of different flavors. Yeah, well, I'm allergic to dairy. Sure. So we set the truck on fire. Well, the No thing, one gets ice cream. The thing with court... You know, in the United States anyway, is if you have somebody testifying, well, Jason Rouse said X, Y, and Z, and you sit there and go, I don't have to tell you what I said. Well, now you've got a group of people who only have one side of the story, and you had your chance to explain your side, and you didn't. So they're like, well, we must, we have to believe the prosecution then. You know, they're almost forced into that position where they're like, well, that sounds awful, and that must be what happened. Do we have to videotape or audio tape all our sets now? Just I so do a lot legal? of them. Yeah, I almost I do, do all of them because of legal repercussions. Well, or, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> he said, she said, cuts it right out. So I love it because sure. oh yeah, I've had like because I'll tape it on my phone and you did this and this and I go, you know what? I got the show on fucking tape and mm-hmm. the only thing that's that's revealed on here is how much of an idiot you are. Right. So this is this is documented here sure. so you can manipulate the words on whatever you want but this is what fucking happened mm-hmm. it's unfortunate it, it's really uh i was doing a show at a club is that, that a bronze t-rex uh that's a t-rex that's a bronze buddha okay the t-rex looks like it's bronze too um you got some interesting uh you got a cow a buddha and a t-rex and a, you should a, see the the little it, box stuff up there unicorn? it's a unicorn and it's impaling a mime Oh, that's great. And and it's like a children's toy. It's a, just a little box. That's great. See, <laughs> I don't know could why find that offensive. Right. My brother you was shouldn't raped kill by a unicorn. Was he? Yeah, well, that's Your what, Honor. <laughs> yeah. If somebody's not willing to testify that he wasn't raped by a unicorn, it must be fact. <laughs> it went through was. his chest, not in his ass. It was a murder. Uh, I did I raped him. I did a show where afterward a woman was like, I didn't like that one comedian. He talked about suicide the whole time. And he said that uh, he was going to string up a midget and cut it open. And then candy <laughs> was going to fall out. Pinata. And uh, hilarious visual. And um, yeah, actually, the words I used were pinata. <laughs> but that's not the word she heard. She heard strung up, cut open midgets all words that i don't use and yeah, so yeah. when she um explained the image in her head theater to, of the mind she's to the, the right to the club owner he was like he went to the manager he was like look i don't know what ryan said but he really upset some people and uh, whatever bit he was doing like that he he really needs to stop and the manager came to me and he was like ryan do you do a bit about this and i went 
Um, kind of, but no. None of those words are mine. I said, you know what? You tape every show. Why don't you watch the tape? See who's laughing, who's not laughing, and then tell me. And the manager looked at me and just went, no, you're fine. Just keep doing the thing. Yeah, that's a like, great equalizer. Like, the tape equalizer. is always an amazing yeah, yeah. thing to be like, look, if you have a problem, watch the tape and get back to me. But don't take her word for it. Any comedy owner that's willing to take the audience's word for it, Fuck. I just, I think you're dead. You're dead in the yeah, water as a, as a venue because people make shit up. There was, up. Yeah. there was a woman in St. Louis who came up to me. She was like, I cannot believe I paid extra money to sit in the front row and you just made fun of me for being fat the whole time. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? She said, yeah. I said, ma'am, I didn't make fun of your weight. What? Like, you've seen my show, Jason. Yeah. You know that I talk about stuff on stage. Yeah. I don't pick on audience members. No. And I said, ma'am, I didn't, I didn't say anything anything about your weight she said yes you did yes you did i said ma'am i taped the show it's the same show that i did for yesterday and the night for before the rest that of the fat people like, in the fucking front you pig yeah <laughs> and she said no you made fun of me the whole time i said well that's the manager talk to him and she goes over she was like he was making fun of me and uh, the manager went shut up fat you're so. drunk get the fuck out of here yeah. And I was like, okay, so this club is going to be around for a long time. That's cool. That, because especially when you get some people, club owners. And you know what some of the worst club owners are? Are the ones that, um, that used to be comics. Yeah. And now they've taken in this kind of elitism uh, stance in, in their business. And now not only I'm the, the key master here. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to do it like this, this, and this. And if you don't follow into that, opposed to some guy who used to manage rock and roll bands in the, in the 70s and 80s and just is a total comedy nerd and just goes, you know what? It's so great to have you here. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Just don't get your dick out. Okay, I'm talking about somebody you're talking to me. <laughs> just don't get your dick out on stage and we're going to have a great time. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is uh, the staff, the bouncers shaking hands. It's more of a, a, a collective. It's a, right. it's a group effort. Right. Opposed to like, ah, oh, fuck it, comics are mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. don't, and I've had it where the staff won't talk or interact with you or it, it it's kind of minimal. They've been they've been uh, read the riot act. Those don't the wait staff don't take the comedians home. Don't socialize right. with them after. Sure, even sure. Even though you've been playing the club for six or seven years or, yeah. or something like we that. We run a business here, and you're not yeah. supposed to. Well, I mean, my first week in comedy, first week ever getting paid, I showed up at the club that I'd been to a ton of times, and there are signs everywhere. This is in El Paso, Texas, uh -huh. and there are signs: wait staff meeting, wait staff meeting, wait staff meeting. And I was like, I've never seen that before. It's like Tuesday night, so I pull over a server that I've, you know, been friendly with. I'm like, what's that about? And she said, well, one of the servers is pregnant and she doesn't know if it's the headliner from six weeks ago or the feature act from the week before that. That's none of the club's business. Well, what was funny to me was like, oh, this is what happens, though, when you leave town, that you're still being talked about and sometimes not always in a positive light. Sure. So that is going to probably affect your rebooking. Yeah. Don't uh, shit what you eat. Right. And wear a condom. I guess is the rule of thumb. I don't know what year. Well, I mean, the worst part for me was I, I was like, ugh, I wouldn't want to be, if I was the headliner, I wouldn't want to be with some girl who nailed the feature act the week before. Doesn't she have any standards? Oh, <laughs> there is some of those hogs that you'll, you'll get in the club with just girls that just tend, and I don't know I'm calling them hogs. They're, they're uh, free spirits. <laughs> I don't want to be part of the problem. Uh, they brought up many a joy to lonely alcoholics uh -huh. on the road, you yeah. know what I mean? So, but you, uh, there's a, uh, the staff can be cool and accommodating. On yeah, they can be great. And sometimes they get pregnant. Well, I went out, like, you know, my first few tours out on the road doing comedy clubs, I would always think, oh, I have to go drink with the wait staff because yeah. then I want them to speak well of me and have me back. Sure. And then I'd be back a year later whole different new weight staff yeah. and i'm like now i gotta go drink with these assholes i'm getting seeds. i'm getting too old for this yeah i can't just be pounding shots with these kids all night long uh, i can you know you're, <laughs> <laughs> i mean i could i did for a good 10 years and then i just got to the place where i'm like i'm gonna drink with the other comics in the green room and yeah. we'll, we'll bullshit around it is definitely it's it's a hard thing to do and uh, i've i've staggered it more if i've gone long to separate the business from the party you know what I mean? And uh, you get caught up in the euphoria and excitement of being a live entertainment and people going. But if you don't put the work in, the party is is not helping anything. Yeah. You know, and a, a lot of guys, and I'm guilty of it in various stages of my career where, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a lazy thing to do. 
and uh, it, pick your pick your battles. But getting hammered, see the style. Oh, come out, drink with us. I go, you don't understand. This is every weekend for me. Yeah, this is almost every night. You know, I don't need to be doing this no, every it, night. It, oh, come on, pussy, have a shot. I go, no, I got. I gotta get a flight in the morning, yeah, or, or worse, you know. I gotta <laughs> deal with myself and having a hangover. It's hard to keep a gun out of my mouth as it is. Right now, now I've got this crippling hangover and whatever else I've done that night. And audience members that want to buy you drinks afterward, like yeah. that was that was lesson number one. Oh, you don't let them buy you a drink because then you're theirs. Yeah, they, they sit there go, and come over to our house, fuck my sister. <laughs> I mean, I'll sit there with the guy and have a, have a goddamn whiskey and talk to him for 20 minutes, and then I'll be like, all right. And he's like, you want another one? No, no, no I'm good. I'm going to go ahead. Oh, you're just going to take off. You're just going to take your drink and take off. No, no, no. I sat with you for 20 minutes Yeah. and talked more, and I was polite with you. Yeah. We were all enjoying ourselves, but I uh, this is my job. This is <laughs> not like a thing that I kind of show up and fuck around on the weekends. Yeah. And it does feel better when you think about your life and you think, well, I got shithouse last night and then I didn't write a single joke today. Yeah. So I feel bad about that. I can make those bad feelings go away if I get shithoused again tonight. Yeah. You know, my level of guilt over my own career. Cut to 10 years later. Yeah. You've, your liver is hanging out of your body. You don't get booked. The staff hates you. Just because you've you've got a relationship with the manager, he puts you in every other year, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, it can it can definitely take a weird uh, turn. But what time? Like, what are what are your fans like? Is there a certain a brand? Um, of, sociopaths. You get. Um, you, no, you have that American Psycho kind <laughs> of uh, uh, attraction. I think I attract people who are, um, you know, say things like, "Oh, I really like offensive comedy." Like they say that, and then you go, well, I wasn't trying to be offensive per se, um, but I'm not going to talk you. <laughs> I'm not going to talk you out of being my fan. Offensive and funny. It's weird how those words are put together. Because offense, and uh, I'm barely literate on a good day, but offense is like a, a negative, right? Context. Yeah. And then funny, offensive is a positive. Kind of a, um, well, uh, I've I've uh, thought about that a lot lately. That people think they're mutually exclusive when really they're they're not. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes you have a joke that there are great reasons in column A for the joke to be offensive, and in column B there are jokes the reasons the joke is funny. But yeah. those exist simultaneously. They exist yeah. at the same time, and it just depends on your perspective. It's a very yin. If you want to say, oh, it's about cannibalism, then it's about cannibalism. If you want to look at. Oh, it's because the number eight sounds like the past tense of to eat. Oh, eight sounds like eight. That's why it's funny. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, it's weird. Again, it's people will draw lines in something that doesn't have a line. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, they'll section off certain things and stuff like that. But what, um, what are the best case scenarios? Like, where are some of your favorite places and cities to perform in besides dealing with clowns in various places who have right. no perspective or uh, um, have uh, entitled to I mean, their opinions. Starting in San Francisco, I always thought the middle of the country, I mean, I was receiving word from other comics that, you know, the Midwest is hard because those people are drunk and, you know, they're, they're dumb and whatever else and they're stupid conservative ideologies. And I was like, I was a little wary to go to the middle of the country, but at the same time, I was like, well, I don't really have a problem with any of those things. So I'll go see what these people are like. And I went out and what I found is that conservative mindset that exists in America mm-hmm. is kind of a, uh, when it comes to jokes, they kind of think, well, that's not, I'm, I'm not getting hurt in the joke. Yes. So why should I care if it's offensive to somebody else? Ha 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 ha. And they just laugh. Whereas, you know, in San Francisco, oh, well, I have to be offended because I can imagine a person who might be offended. Yes, and it's like you're you're offended on behalf of your imaginary friend. Yeah, I know. You that's, can't that's, do that. No, no, you can't. Imaginary friend. That's great. Um, that's great. I think that's that's a good thing. Is it? it uh, are you upset? No, no, no. I know somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Call him. Who is it? Well, I, uh, Jim Jeffries has got a big thing. He's about uh, being heckled or uh, confronted about his <laughs> uh, doing something about disabled people, and then he, and Jim more or less says well if you're such a good friend why didn't you bring him out tonight yeah you know what i mean and let them make a decision mm-hmm. and i always i always attack um with a a, a, a gentle a loving hand whatever it, uh, that might be to people that are 
clearly disabled or mm-hmm. minorities, I go straight for them. Yeah. Because they it's so blatant that they get the irony of the whole the whole thing opposed yeah. to being offended yeah. and ignored that's uh-huh. the, i think that's the most offensive thing to do is ignore something right uh i've been greeted and and people come and sit in my wheelchair with me and uh, and get a pic can we get a picture yeah i'll sit in your fucking lap and yeah 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 get the snot off your face because <laughs> i don't give a fuck um there was this guy art um in he, he just this old guy in a wheelchair can barely speak and he was brought out to the club by his handler because that's handler that, that's offensive well i <laughs> no, mean no, it, it literally was like a yeah, caregiver a, a, a paid person who's sure. there to just wheel art around and art Walk wanted to go to the comedy leash. club and um, as art should go to the comedy club yeah and art is there and art has this i mean his laugh is distinct and it doesn't sound normal. And he's just... Yeah, he's got respiratory problems. <laughs> yeah. And people are like looking back to be like, what is that noise in the darkness? And I just walked off stage and walked over to him and I was like, oh, look at you. <laughs> Did you during Jesus the show? Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're a mess. You're having a great time. You're a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> and so I start getting into it with Art and I'm having a good time. Art is damn near crying with laughter. Loving it. But you can it. feel some people having a good time and some people wondering like, is this okay? And I'm like, why wouldn't it be okay? I'm having a good time. Art's having a great it's fucking time. Clearly he is having so much. <laughs> he's urinated in his pants. He's laughing so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and then I'm getting pictures with Art afterward. And I'm like, oh, I'll remember Art forever. Yeah. Because he and I are having the show of our life right now. And you still have the bite mark on your neck because he didn't know how to shake your hand. Right. Well, that's how he signs. That's his signature. <laughs> the big purple bruise on your neck. <laughs> Fucking retards love me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are, what are, uh, well, how long have you been doing stand-up now? I started in 2001. 2001. So in June, I think it'll be, yeah, 13 years. Fantastic. And then... Um, in San Francisco... Yes, and you've toured exclusively in the U.S. Is there any state that you haven't performed in yet? Or? Uh, oddly enough, a lot. It's it's weird to me that I look at where I've been and I think oh, I would have never done stand up in Hong Kong or Sydney mm-hmm. or you know I think of Johannesburg. Yeah, I'm like wow, I've been all over the world, but I still have never been to Tennessee. <laughs> I've never performed in Montana. It is. It's very much uh, becoming a, a global thing. Yeah. And uh, you'll find probably over the next three or four or five years of your career, it's going the, 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 it's going to be a lot more broader. Well, I think the comedians that actually have um, material mm. that is um, based on more of a human experience rather than a cultural experience. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of comics, especially in L.A., that'll get up and talk about race. And mm. I'm like, well, you know, people have different racism in different parts of the world. So your bullshit about how black people and white people are, doesn't that really doesn't, doesn't play in China because they it, don't have black and white people yeah. in China. is mostly something else, dude. And I think a lot of these, the race and stuff that's brought up in, in American stand-up is, is dated. It and, is. And, it's and, just uh, and regurgitated. We're over it. We're over it. But yeah. because it's familiar, people will laugh out of familiarity familiarity yeah they'll laugh almost out of this obligation of like oh i know this is funny so i know i'm supposed to laugh um there was a yeah a, it's like a, a mousetrap thing like when the, the thing goes around and hits this hits that 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 and then you get that result yeah and it, they just like know a, that's what's supposed to happen yeah. and so they give it there's somebody who's quite famous who put out a tweet of like um what did the tweet say it said something to the effect of um marriage is the leading cause of divorce and people retweeted it and they loved it and comedy central's retweeting it and it's blowing up and i looked at that i'm like no 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 that's a red skeleton joke from the catskill mountains that joke has been around for 80 years (laughs) word for word that joke that is that is his joke yeah from almost a century ago yeah and Everyone in this era is is thinking, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, oh, that's such a funny, true thing. And it's like, yeah, it's so true, it's boring. It's funny how there's this this whole very well-rounded 
information age with the with the internet but people when you look back six months yeah they they, they no 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 they, anything previous to x year or whatever <laughs> they, that didn't really happen because it didn't happen on the internet in this in uh, in my uh, experience on this yeah. planet so there's no it's not it's not relevant but it but it's it's how things started those are those are pioneers right. original shit and I don't think that people are educated enough about stand-up to understand what is or isn't original. And they kind of rely on this idea, well, I've never heard of it. Yeah. Well, what the hell do you know? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing right now that's separating stand-up from, you know, um, other art. You know, we talk about painting, we talk about poetry. People give those things like a respect, like, oh, I don't know a lot about it, so I'm not going to judge. Yeah. Versus stand-up, they're like, what, what is there to know? Mm-hmm. I know everything. I'm like, really? You, don't, you couldn't even tell me wh- the definition of joke if I asked you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't give me any history of stand-up comedy. You can't tell me when it started. You can't, you can't name a comedian who hasn't been on television. And there are thousands. And yet you're going to tell me that you know about stand-up. No, no, you are very aware of what you like. Yeah. And you only know that when it's put in front of your face. And and usually it's people that have shitty jobs and are generally unhappy with themselves as people. Sure. So they've taken this uh, ground. But um, what else... We've, we talk, I've, this has been a consistent theme with a lot of it. It's, it's this uh, frustration out of um, the, this, this. With the crowd? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, They're not, I'm uh, of the opinion that stand-up can only move forward if the crowd becomes more educated. Mm. So I really try to take every opportunity to remind people like, oh, stay open-minded when you're sitting in the audience. Yeah. Oh, you really don't know anything about this, so maybe you shouldn't judge it. Maybe you don't have the tools to go home and blog about this mm-hmm. with any type of authority. Yeah, write five minutes, asshole, and come down here and a mic and then we'll all sit around and poke at you yeah do you tell you how to do it can you even name one element of a joke that we consider craftsmanship we talk about the painting and brush strokes are important and when i say okay great so what's a craft element of joke writing and they yeah. go I, I don't know i don't know no. it's it, it's supposed to be funny don't you just make it up they think it's all improvised anyway <laughs> oh they, they think don't... that and they think uh people steal so each other's material i'm like you guys don't know anything and yet we can't move forward without you because when you write a song, you can do it in the studio, and the song exists without the audience response. The poem exists without the audience response. The painting exists without, but a joke relies on laughter. Yeah. And we only know it's funny if there is laughter. But if the people laughing don't understand what they're laughing at, well, then it could be just garbage. Yeah. You're just responding to garbage. It's silliness. More importantly, if you're stupid, stay out of the comedy clubs. You know, <laughs> it, it's for people who have got real jobs and lives, and, and some uh, accept the uh, have unconditional love for the art form. But uh, where would uh, people find you? Um, I hate the audience.com. No, um, <laughs> it's uh, RyanStout.com. I'm on Twitter at StoutRyan, YouTube forward slash RyanStout. I always tell people, look, don't come to a show unless you've looked me up on the internet. Because how about that? Be a be a smart consumer. Maybe see what you're getting into. That's a great point. When I go see a movie or go to a restaurant or anything, (laughs) I'm gonna see what's on the fucking menu. Yeah, I don't show up at McDonald's and go. What do you mean you don't got prime rib? This place (laughs) fucking sucks. (laughs) Where's the lobster? Come on. So I I tell people all the time. I'm like, you know, I understand you're upset at the show and you're not getting what you wanted right now, but you had an opportunity to watch an hour of my material for free on the internet yeah you could have purchased my album for 10 bucks off of itunes or amazon or google play and listen to that and then come out and had a show but you chose not to you just chose to show up and hope that i did what you like you victimized yourself (laughs) and i take that stance and people really don't like that (laughs) no because the truth hurts yeah uh, thanks for being on the show. No, thank you. It's always fun. It was and a pleasure. To, uh, I like to uh, railing on the audience as much as you do. Yeah, it is fun. It's fun. I think it's been getting picked on in high school now. <laughs> I think that's how it's all come out. Yeah. But uh, we'll look forward to uh, performing together again soon. Awesome. All right, man. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye. Don't kiss me on the mouth. Don't ask if you're hurting me. And if you hear the safe word, stop what you're doing immediately. Do you have pantyhose?